Good evening, good to see you tonight. Hope you had a good afternoon and glad we're back together tonight. If you have your Bibles, turn to John chapter 12. John 12 is where we'll be at uh, here in just a few minutes. Uh, If you're using the Pew Bible, that's on page 898, John chapter 12. Uh, Tonight we're continuing our series on uh, the Look series, looking at different interactions that Jesus had either with individuals or with groups of people, sometimes perhaps even large groups of folks. Uh, Tonight it won't be a a large group of folks, but uh, just kind of thinking about Where do I fit into this story or what lessons can we learn from these different individuals who are interacting with Jesus? What lessons does Jesus bring out uh, in these interactions? Uh, And tonight we're going to talk about uh, the time when a woman came and anointed Jesus with some costly perfume. Uh, And if you think about that, that may probably sound familiar to you, uh, but there's a little bit of an issue because there are at least uh, four accounts of maybe three different instances when this happens. So just before we get to John chapter 12, I want us to talk about that a little bit. It may not be super important, but it's interesting. Uh, and, you know, when you're studying the Bible for a living, you look for interesting things. Uh, so that's what we're going to look at and, uh, and think about that just briefly uh, before we get into it. And it really, it is important because uh, some people look at this as a contradiction in Scripture, and we need to understand that it's not a contradiction. Uh, it's actually a very similar story uh, uh, told four times of three different accounts when Jesus is anointed uh, with some costly perfume okay so in uh, Luke chapter 7 and verse 36 we see that uh, Jesus is uh, dining at the the house of a Pharisee uh, and there's a woman who's described as just a sinful woman who comes and anoints Jesus uh, and washes his feet uh, with her tears uh, and with her hair okay and we know that that one's uh, really early on in Jesus' ministry, and so it's, it's the easiest one of the three different accounts or the four accounts to uh, differentiate because it's very early on in Jesus' ministry. You may remember uh, Luke is also the one who writes the book of Acts, uh, and Acts is a history book, and so it's written in chronological order, uh, and when, he, when Luke writes his gospel, he also starts out by saying, hey, I, you know, the, it seems as if he doesn't mention the other gospels, Matthew, Mark, and John, uh, but it seems as if he says, hey, I know other people have written about this kind of thing. I know you've heard about it. But I wanted to write it to you in a chronological order. I wanted to write it to you in a a kind of a step-by-step, this happened, then this happened, then this happened. So uh, he's concerned about that. And it's interesting that he has this story. uh, And the story that he recounts in Luke chapter 7 is clearly a different story than what Matthew, Mark, and John are are talking about. But this is before, uh, just to to help us to understand, and timeline is going to be the biggest uh, differentiator between these uh, these four accounts, okay? Uh, So this is before, in Luke's Luke's gospel, it's before Jesus calms the sea, it's before Jesus feeds the 5,000, therefore it's before Jesus uh, walks on water, Uh, it's before all kinds of things uh, that Jesus does that happen before uh, what we read about in both Matthew uh, Mark and John. Uh, so that one's pretty easy to, to, to tell the difference. Also, again, it's at the house of a Pharisee. The other ones are not at the house of Pharisees. Uh, John chapter 12 uh, that we'll talk about tonight. Uh, it happens as we'll read it here in just a minute that he's at the house. We're actually not told whose house it is, but we know that Lazarus is there and it specifically says Lazarus whom Jesus raised from the dead. We know that Martha is there and she, Martha is Lazarus's sister. I remember she's the one that when uh, Mary is, is there, when they kind of when they first meet even perhaps, uh, that she complains, hey, Jesus, aren't you going to tell Mary to, uh, to get up and, and come help me in the kitchen? Uh, and well, again, here in John chapter 12, she's preparing the food again. Apparently that's her thing. Uh, she's a good cook or she enjoys doing it at the very least. So, uh, but Mary, so you've got Lazarus, that's who's 
there reclining at the table with him. Mary is preparing the food, so perhaps it's her house or their house. Uh, And then uh, Mary, the other sister, is the one who comes and washes uh, Jesus' uh, feet and anoints them. Uh, And then in Matthew chapter 26 and in Mark chapter 14, uh, there seems to be an additional account. Okay, Uh, And in that account, something that's different is both in Luke's account and in John's account, uh, Jesus' feet are washed or anointed. Uh, But in in Matthew 26 and Mark 14, Jesus' head is anointed with this costly perfume. So uh, again, something is different there. Uh, So if we we try to make some some sense out of it, again, the Luke account, I think we can take that one. And pretty much it's pretty easy to tell it's different. It's very early on in Jesus' ministry. It's a different place. Uh, What's interesting is John's account, Matthew's account, and Mark's account all happen in the town of Bethany. Okay, so that's again why there's some confusion, confusion about this. And it also happens towards the very end of Jesus' ministry, almost right around the triumphal entry, triumphal entry which is you know, the time when he enters into Jerusalem uh, before that final week of his life. So there's, that's the reason why it's kind of confusing. But if you look in John uh, chapter 12, we're going to focus on verse 1 through 8 here in just a few minutes. That's the account there. But if you look at verse number 12, John 12, 12, it says, On the next day, uh, the large crowd who had fought, come to the feast, when they heard Jesus was coming to Jerusalem, they took branches of the palm trees and they went out to meet him and began to to shout hosanna blessed is he who comes in the name of the lord even the king of israel there is the triumphal entry so we have john chapter 12 when uh, mary uh, the brother or the sister of uh, lazarus and martha uh, she anoints his his feet uh, and his uh, anoints his um, his feet and washes him with her hair Uh, and then the next day we have the triumphal entry well in excuse me matthew's account and mark's account both of those things happen after the triumphal entry. So, timeline-wise, Luke 7, early on in Jesus' ministry, not really that big of a concern, not really a whole lot of uh, confusion there. Uh, but John's account, they seem to happen pretty close together. Uh, John's account happens with Mary and Martha and Lazarus, Mary doing the one who's uh, anointing his feet. And it happens literally the day before he has the triumphal entry. At some point during that week, at some point during the week of Jesus, the last week of his life, uh, there is another instance that is also in Bethany, and it's told us there that it is at the house of Simon the leper. Okay, so we're told whose house it is there. We're not told whose house it is uh, in John chapter 12, even though Martha is the one preparing the food, so maybe it's her house or maybe it's her family's house, something along those lines. We would probably make that connection. Um, but, and we're also not told who the woman is. Uh, there's just a, a woman who shows up and anoints Jesus. Uh, now, there is an interesting thing that we'll talk about here that, that perhaps that woman in Mark 26 and in Mark 14 is also Mary, uh, the same Mary who we read about in John chapter 12. We'll talk about that as we go through that. Uh, again, to you, that may not make a difference, but to me, I had to get that straight in my mind before I presented this lesson so that I would know whether or not this was the right thing or not. Because some people think uh, that Martha, Martha being the one preparing the food at her house, that perhaps Martha was the husband or the wife of um, Simon the leper, uh, which is a theory that some people have, uh, but that doesn't seem to match up timeline-wise because, again, John chapter 12 is before the triumphal entry. Mark and Matthew's account are after the triumphal entry. It's odd that this happens three times to Jesus. We don't really read about this happening to anyone else, uh, but it is something that uh, these perhaps three different ladies, at least two different ladies, uh, come in and recognize something significant about Jesus and give him this honor. All right, John chapter 12. Uh, Let's read verses 1 through 8. Jesus, therefore, six days before the Passover, came to Bethany, where Lazarus was, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. So they made him a supper there, and Martha was serving, and Lazarus was was one of the ones of those reclining at the table with him. 
Mary then took a litre of perfume, a very costly pure nard, and anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. But Judas Iscariot, one of his disciples, who was going to betray him, said, Why was this perfume not sold for 300 denarii and given to the poor? Now, when he said this, not because he was concerned about the poor, but because he was a thief, and as he had the the money box, he used to take from it uh, what was put into it. Verse 7, Therefore Jesus said, Let her alone, so that she may keep it for the day of my burial. Uh, For you always have the poor with you, but you you do not always have me. So here we have this scene, okay? And this is the look series. We're thinking about uh, what does Jesus see? What do the people who are there see? Uh, and what are the lessons that we can, we can learn from it? Again, it's, it's, an, it's not a, a normal situation, okay? Even, even in first century uh, Jerusalem and first century Israel, not a, not a normal situation. We know and we've talked about before, especially when we think about the Jesus washing the, the apostles' feet, uh, that washing of feet, you know, was... A fairly regular thing, okay, that the lowest servant in the household would come and, and wash people's feet. You can imagine uh, with uh, sandals on their feet, walking around on dirt roads, uh, how, how dirty their feet would get. So, and as they, not only that, but think about the way they're eating. They're not sitting at a table where their feet are below the table or anything like that. They're reclining. They're literally probably laying on their side as they're reaching out to the table. And so the feet are in close proximity to the food and close proximity to other people. Uh, it's, you know, not something that probably a lot of us would sign up to do today. Uh, so they would, they would wash feet. And that's why it was significant that Jesus would have washed the disciples' feet because that was one of the, the lowest things, the, the, the worst servant, the, the, the servant of least rank would be the one who would wash the feet. And Jesus gives them that example there. Well, this is something a little different, okay? Uh, this is something that, uh, you know, this, the, these ladies would come and they would anoint Jesus, either anoint his head or anoint his feet. And, and, and all of them, each of these three different, four different accounts of three different stories say that it wasn't just anointing, it wasn't just uh, washing, it wasn't just, you know, doing whatever else. It was specifically a, uh, a costly perfume. Okay, it was, uh, some say that, that perhaps that, that perfume, this, this pure nard, uh, was as far away as uh, from India. Uh, so that would be why the, the import uh, cost of bringing it into uh, Israel and Jerusalem would have been one of the reasons why it would have cost so much. So but what do we learn from this? Okay, let's, let's notice a few things here. Again, in verse 1, it says where Lazarus was, uh, Bethany, Lazarus. This is something that uh, in, in the story of Jesus, the interactions with Mary and Martha and, and Lazarus, they're always connected. They're always seemingly all there together and of course that's a uh, a significant issue there this is where jesus cried when when lazarus was dead there's a relationship there's a friendship there we think about did jesus have people who were just his friends well it seems like mary and martha and lazarus were jesus friends now they were also his followers they believed in him they believed that he was the son of god but they were uh, his friends um and it says there in verse number two, again, that Martha was serving. So, so what do we see? What are some, some lessons that we can recognize here? If this is the, the family home of Lazarus, then they've opened up their home again to Jesus. They're thankful. They have a lot to be thankful for from Jesus, right? Jesus literally raised the man from the dead. Okay, so they have a tremendous amount to be thankful for, but they are welcoming Jesus as Jesus is on his journey. They certainly probably don't realize that he is approaching very soon the end of his life, uh, but it's, it's a comforting thing. You have experienced it uh, where you've been in, either into, uh, you know, the home of a family member or the home of a friend, and you've shared a meal around the table together and enjoyed the, the conversation. Well, this is one of those times where Mary and Martha uh, and Lazarus hear that Jesus is coming into Bethany, and they say, hey, you've got to come over to our house for dinner. You got to be with us. We we want you to come and join us. That's that's the scene uh, that we're entering here. So uh, so they've opened up their home. They're thankful for that. We also see Martha again. 
and she's serving. Now, the last time we, we saw Martha, uh, she's not really, uh, she's certainly not belittled, and I don't think that she is, uh, is put down for her choice, but remember Jesus says, hey, Mary's chosen the better thing. Mary has come to, to listen to me, to listen to my words. He seemingly is in the middle of, of teaching and proclaiming, uh, but here it's, it's not, it, not in any way is it said that, that Martha should not have been serving, but she's serving. She's invited, it seems as if they've invited Jesus into her home, into their home, and, and she's there, and she's serving in the background. Well, can we learn a lesson from that? Absolutely we can. It's, it's good. It's beneficial, and, and sometimes people are far more comfortable serving in the background, and that's a good thing. It's nothing, there's nothing wrong with that. You know, uh, Lazarus is there reclining at the table with Jesus. Certainly, even in the midst of just this conversation, Jesus is, is probably, you know, laying down some wisdom and teaching them significant things, even just his daily conversations. Uh, but Martha is there, and she's serving, and she's in the background. And I know many of, uh, of our men and our ladies that do that frequently. You know, just about any time that we have a, a meal, especially when we have meals uh, that, that guests are invited to, we usually have a group of about 10 ladies uh, and maybe some men as well who are over in our, our gym, you know, making sure everything's ready. And most of the time, we try to have the, uh, the service uh, live streamed over there so that they can be working and watching and everything going on at the same time. But they're working in the background and, and we probably, hopefully we recognize them and realize what they're doing, but we're thankful for them. And that's what Martha is doing here. Uh, she's not right in the middle of everything. She's not mixing it up with everyone, but she's making sure that their needs are provided for. Uh, and then there's Mary. Uh, and, and Mary, uh, she recognizes Jesus' worth, and she's willing to make a sacrifice. Uh, in Second Samuel chapter 24 and verse 24, uh, David is there and he has an opportunity to uh, make a sacrifice and he is uh, buying some things from, uh, from a man in order to, to be able to do this. And the man offers because David is the anointed of God, maybe not king at that point yet, but, but well on his way to, uh, to become king. I don't remember exactly where it is at in the history of, of David's life. Uh, but the man says, hey, you're, you're David. You can have this. Uh, but David says, hey, I won't make a sacrifice that doesn't cost me something. I don't make a sacrifice that doesn't cost me something. The man was offering, hey, you, you want these, these animals? You want this? You want whatever it was? You can have it because you're David. And David says, I, I'm not going to make a sacrifice that doesn't cost me anything. Now, Martha here, or Mary, excuse me, uh, she's offering up this, this costly perfume. And again, Judas, uh, uh, he says, well, why wasn't this sold for uh, 300 denarii? Now, I ladies, you, you probably have some very nice perfume. I'm sure your husband uh, has bought you nice perfume in the past and, and probably uh, didn't just go to the dollar store and buy you some, hopefully. Uh, but I don't know if you have a perfume that's worth almost a year's wages. That's how much this pure nard, this perfume would have cost, okay? You can talk to your husband about that later, about how much he spent on you. Uh, but probably you didn't spend, he didn't spend that much on you. This was a significant amount uh, that she had a, a significant, a valuable uh, commodity that she was giving up. Where did she come across it? Where did she get it? We, we're not told any of those things, but she has it in her possession, and she comes and she uses it to wash Jesus' feet. Again, something that washing the feet was important, but usually they would just use uh, water and, and a rag to, to wipe their feet off, to get the dust off of their feet. There's something more significant to it about this. Um, and then it says in verse number... Um, Verse number seven, uh, let her alone so that she may keep it for the day of my burial. Now, that's a little bit of a confusing verse because it seems as if she's already used it. But Jesus says, after, you know, Judas makes his comments, leave her alone, let her alone so that she may keep it for the day of my burial. Now, what, what did Jesus mean there? 
I don't know if we can know for sure what Jesus meant there, uh, but this would be the possibility that perhaps in Matthew and Mark's account, maybe it's Mary coming back again with the same costly perfume that she used a little bit of uh, at this instance in John chapter 12, and then maybe again when they're uh, in a different house at a different time, maybe she uses the rest of it. I, I don't know that we can know that for sure. I don't, we can't know that for sure, uh, but it is a possibility that maybe she does this because uh, we, we also know that, uh, you know that they come and, 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 and bring some of the, uh, the things to the, to the graveside, to the, to the tomb, to be able to uh, anoint Jesus' uh, body even at that point so maybe again that's what he means so means but so i don't i don't know if we can know that for sure but that would be perhaps another connection because like i said in matthew and mark's account uh that anointing of jesus and washing of his feet also happens in bethany well that's where mary lives so she certainly would have heard that jesus was there maybe she would have taken that opportunity uh to do that as well Uh, what do we learn about judas what does judas see as we think about this look series well Judas sees a missed opportunity. It's, it's interesting, you know, whose gospel are we, re- re- we reading? We're reading John's gospel. Uh, John, the apostle whom Jesus loved. Perhaps, probably, uh, the apostle who is Jesus' closest friend, uh, Jesus' closest apostle uh, at the Last Supper. Uh, it's John who is leaning upon Jesus' breast. He's the one who's he's right beside Jesus. And when Jesus says, one of you is going to betray me, it's John who leans back and says, Lord, who is it? And he's the one who is identified. John knows at that point, which happens after what we're reading here, John knows that Judas is going to be the one who betrays him. And there's, there's no conversation after that, and we don't understand why there's not, maybe. But, but John's the one who uh, has to have this, or seems to have this very, very, maybe even the closest relationship of anyone uh, with Jesus. So when, when John says these words uh, in verse number 4 and 5, but Judas Iscariot, one of his disciples, who is going to betray him, he said, why, does this, why was this perfume not sold for 300 denarii and given to the poor? Now, he said this not because he was concerned about the poor. Okay, imagine, imagine the thoughts that all of the other apostles have about Judas after the fact. The betrayal that not only certainly Jesus understood and experienced, but all of those men experienced that betrayal. This was a, a man who for three years was with them day and night most of the time and, and, and went through the, the highs and lows of being a, an apostle of Jesus, a follower of Jesus, the betrayal that he feels. And as he's writing about him, he says, hey, uh, we realize, we recognize he, he was a thief. Not only was he be, be the, the betrayer, but he was a thief. He took money from the money box and, and all of these things. And then another interesting thing that, to think about uh, when we think about Judas, um, Judas, again, in all, all three accounts in Matthew and Mark and John, uh, he, the question is raised by Judas or by some of the other apostles. And it seems from John's account that Judas was the, the leader of this complaint. Why wasn't this costly perfume sold and it given to the poor? In Matthew and Mark's account, another perhaps clue that it's a little bit later, Jesus adds a little bit more. Now, in John's account, and if you look in John chapter uh, 12 and verse 7, let her alone so that she may keep it for the day of my burial. Uh, for you will always have the poor with you, but you will not always have me. Uh, in Matthew and Mark's account, he makes that comment, uh, for you will always have the poor with you, but you will not always have me. But he goes a step further, and in their, their account, he makes another phrase. And he says, and I tell you, wherever the gospel is preached from now on, this woman will be mentioned. 
Okay, so what's, what's the point there? What's, the, what's the, the growth there, okay? Well, it seems as if when they're at Mary and Martha and Lazarus' house, it happens one time, and Judas and some others complain about it, uh, perhaps, and he says, hey, leave her alone. She'll keep it for the day of my burial. Uh, and then later on, a number of days, a few days later, uh, it happens again. They make a similar complaint. They didn't catch, you know, they didn't learn the lesson from the first time, just from a few days ago. And then Jesus even raises, says, hey, Leave her alone. You'll always have the poor with you. You won't always have me. She's honoring me in this. She recognizes there's something significant about me. And let me tell you something. From now on, throughout the rest of time, whenever the gospel is shared, this woman's story will be a part of that story because she recognized there's something different about me. Uh, so there, there seems to be a, a growth there uh, that Jesus um, makes sure that the apostles are recognizing that she uh, made this great sacrifice. Again, uh, as there's been, you know, again, yesterday I was at a funeral, and I know he had a funeral uh, here for the, that a lot of you attended uh, yesterday. And I've heard this before, and, and uh, I think it's a good, a good thing to think about. You know, at funerals, lots of good things are said about people. And at funerals, lots of people who love and respect the person who has died get up and say how much they love and respect the person who has died. What's Mary doing here? She's proclaiming to Jesus before he's dead, I love and respect you. There's a lesson there, isn't it? Certainly there's a lesson there with our personal interactions with each other. Hey, don't wait till someone's funeral to say the words how much you love and respect them. Tell them now. Let them know. Let them know and that'll build your relationship and your love and respect for them will probably only grow from that. So take the opportunity to do it now. Uh, and then when we think about Jesus, you know, we, our, our life is supposed to be a living sacrifice. Our life is supposed to be, God, because of who you are and what you've done and your amazing grace, I'm living my life in a response to that. And the things that I do, I'm not going to do the things that I want to do only. I'm going to do the things primarily that you want me to do. I'm going to live how you want me to live. So Judas, he saw a missed opportunity. Uh, he wasn't going to be able to uh, sell that money, sell that perfume and, and get that large chunk of change. And then probably he would probably have given maybe even most of that. Uh, to the poor but he probably certainly would have kept it back from himself and then there also there's some building anger again if we go to uh, Matthew and Mark's account of of their time when when Jesus is is anointed and his feet are washed in both Matthew and Mark's account it's right after that that G Judas goes to the the Pharisees and the chief priest and, and asks them hey what will you give me if I betray him so perhaps there's some building anger uh, not only in the missed opportunity, but also perhaps in the, this idea that, um, you know, Judas is called out each of these, uh, these times in Bethany. Uh, hey, why was this, this perfume not so? Hey, leave her alone. She recognizes who I am, and, and she's, she's doing this for me. You'll always have the poor with you. You'll always have me. The second time, hey, leave her alone. You'll always have the poor. And I tell you, whenever the gospel's told, her story's going to be told. And maybe Judas... Is, he's, he's angry, perhaps, that he missed an opportunity to get some more money. Perhaps he's angry that Jesus is, is kind of calling him out since he seems to be the ringleader. Certainly in John chapter 12, he's the ringleader. But in Ma Matthew and Mark's account, right after this, he goes to the apostles. And what, is, what does he ask for? He asks for money to betray Jesus. Uh, Judas had an issue. Uh, he had an issue with, with greed, perhaps, uh, with a desire for, for great riches. And, uh, and we can make sure that we... Uh, recognize his shortcomings there. Um, and maybe even he's trying to, to deflect. Uh, you know, he knows he's got things on, in his own life and, and he's questioning the sacrifice that Mary is making. Why would she make it? Maybe he, maybe he legitimately thinks it's a bad decision. It's a bad sacrifice and that money would have been better spent on the poor. But it doesn't seem that way. John seems to, to contradict that. 
that he wasn't really concerned about the poor. He just wanted to steal it for himself. And then what does Jesus see? What does Jesus see in this story? Well, Jesus sees it all, doesn't he? He sees this invitation from his friends to come to his house. And again, in his mind, he knows. He knows where he's about to go. He knows what's about to happen to him. And no doubt that he cherishes this time with his close friends. Uh, this meal around the table one of, with his close friends. One of the last ones that he'll have. Uh, he sees Martha probably back at working in the kitchen. And, and he maybe even chuckles to himself. Hey, I remember the last time you were working back there and how you complained about Mary. Maybe he recognizes that. But he appreciates her efforts even though they're not in the limelight. And they're not the focus of the attention. And then of course he appreciates Mary's uh, demonstration of her appreciation and her love. He sees Judas, and he sees his greed, and he sees the fact that he is, again, focused on things that he's not supposed to be. Jesus sees it all. He saw it all then, and he sees it all now. Uh, So if you're working in the background, and you don't think that people appreciate you, and you don't think that people recognize the great things that you do, you probably do deserve some more recognition. Hey, thank you. If you're working in the background, I don't know what you're doing because you're in the background, uh, but I appreciate you. I appreciate what you're doing. But more importantly than that, know that Jesus sees what you're doing. Whatever it is, uh, big things or little things, if you're working for the Lord, God knows. Jesus is aware of that, so be thankful for that. Uh, And Jesus knows if you've got things going on in your life that shouldn't be there, like we talked about this morning. Uh, Judas seemingly had the other 11 apostles fooled. They just accepted him as one of their own. Just like maybe us today, someone here could have us all fooled and we might just think hey well you're you're a great faithful christian i know you're not perfect but you're living your life but maybe maybe in your life you've got something that you have given into uh, or that is controlling your life in a negative way and you may think that you've got us all fooled and you might have us all fooled but jesus sees everything he saw it all then and he sees it all now and again that's why this invitation is given because if you've got something wrong in your life Uh, This is an opportunity for you to make that right. Now, and the reality is you don't need me. Uh, You don't need to come and talk to me to make things right. All you need to do is recognize your sin, confess those things to Jesus, and know that he'll forgive you. And that just like just about every person that he forgives in Scripture, the the sentiment would be go and sin no more. It's not just receiving forgiveness. It's this dedication that you're rededicating your life to him, uh, that you're going to, to start living for him uh, once again so if, if that's what you need to do then then do that do that while you're sitting here right this second or do that in a few minutes when jack comes and and leads us in another song and let us know because we want to uh to be here for you but no jesus knows and jesus cares i, I love uh the first three chapters of revelation uh, the rest of it's good too it just gets more confusing uh, but the first three chapters are pretty easy uh, and the the whole point of the first three chapters when we think about those those seven churches of asia and all the things that are going on in those seven churches would be a good summation of this story. Jesus knows and Jesus cares. He knows if you're doing well and if you're suffering for it and he cares. He loves you. And he knows if you're not doing anything. He's aware and he's concerned for you and he loves you and he wants to give you a chance to fix it. Uh, And tonight is a chance. And where are you at in your relationship and in your walk with God? Are you living for him? Uh, Do you remember that zeal and that enthusiasm you had when you first became a Christian? Do you still have that? Are you still living like it? Now, the emotional high, probably gone. But do you still have that same dedication where day in and day out you're striving to follow Jesus? Uh, Again, we want to be here for you in whatever ways we can as your your Christian family. Uh, Tonight, if you have any needs at all, 
invite you to come as we stand and sing.